The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. As the province announces plans to get kids back to school in September, researchers at the University of Calgary are trying to find out more about children and COVID-19. Because there's been a relatively high number of confirmed cases in kids in the province, researchers say there is a huge opportunity here to learn more. Dr. Jim Kellner is a professor of pediatrics at the University of Calgary and a pediatric infections disease physician. He joins us now. Dr. Kellner, welcome to the show. Good afternoon, Jalen. Well, thanks for joining me this afternoon. Can you uh, first give us a bit of an oversight on on what this study will be looking into? Sure. And the first thing I want to say, because I know we're speaking to an audience in Edmonton, is that uh, we're doing this study. There's a lot of folks from the University of Calgary, but we're also working with colleagues from the University of Alberta, and it's a real pan-Alberta effort. Um, there's three things that we want to try to do. Um, first is to understand better about the clinical course of uh, COVID uh, disease in children and adolescents. And as you said at the outset, there's actually been quite a large number of children diagnosed in Alberta, uh, almost a thousand. And that's way more on a population basis than any other province in, in the country. And that's because we've had such an assertive and uh, comprehensive approach to uh, case finding and contact tracing and a lot more children have sort of been come out of the woodwork. Fortunately, most of those kids have had very mild disease. Only a handful of children have been admitted to hospital. So we want to find out more about them. We also want to find out, uh, do some really extensive biologic testing on the, on the smaller number of children who get more ill and uh, both um, look at how well their immune system responds, their genetics and a, and a lot of extensive testing to understand that better. And the third thing, and really I think the thing that we hope is going to be the most helpful um, to help as we try to open up after the um, pandemic is to understand about the long-term immunity um, uh, against COVID-19 from children who are known to have been infected and as well some children who are not necessarily known to have been infected but that may have been along the way. It's It's been interesting as we've watched this unfold over the past few months uh, about um, the kids who have who have contracted this virus. Um, most of the cases, from what I understand, Dr. Kellner, it hasn't ha- it, it, it hasn't been severe in children, not certainly not like we've seen in you know 60, 70, 80, 90, obviously. And is there any speculation? I know this is what you're trying to look into and trying to find some answers, but yeah. is there any speculation as to why kids haven't been impacted as much as older people? Is it because maybe they don't have as many underlying conditions? So it's um, it's a the, the short answer to the story is that the question, which is a really good question, is is we don't know. Um, but the, the 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 better answer uh, and more is that there are um, definitely some of the reasons why older adults um, have had severe disease has to do with um, not just their age, but also having underlying uh, health issues, and especially if they have heart or lung issues. And the vast majority of children just don't have that. There probably are some other biological reasons, though, because and one thing that's come to the fore that is, is speculated on and there's some evidence for, but it's not completely proven, is that the, the, the lining of the lungs and the respiratory system that is attacked, uh, that particular part of the lining that is attacked by the 
um, COVID-19 virus um, attacks uh, some particular cells that are just not present in very large amounts in children, but are present in much larger amounts in, in middle-aged and older adults. And so it may be that the, the initial interaction of the virus with our bodies is actually quite different in children because of a, of a difference in the amount and number of these kind of specific cells called the ACE2 cells that um, that virus would interact with. So there may be a very sound biological reason. Um, and um, But in addition, it may be, and this is what we're still trying to understand, maybe the children, and the, and the evidence on this is, is still mixed, but it may be that children are just, are, are still fairly likely to get infected with uh, COVID-19, but not get sick from it. And that would be other reasons besides the cells in the lining of the lungs. Um, And there may be other biological reasons as well. This is, again, part of what we're trying to understand. It's a fortunate thing, and it's quite different than other kinds of viruses like the influenza virus. But there are some hints from other coronaviruses that maybe children may not be affected as much. And that's interesting because I know, you know, especially as we move back to or, you know, start talking about getting kids back to school and having youngsters around each other more, um, you know, there has been a lot of talk about um, asymptomatic cases in children and whether or not they, kids are more of a spreader or not you know are are they transmitting it to other people and and what are the worries on on that front so this could go a long way to answering a lot of questions as we move forward through all of this yes we certainly hope for that and that's a really important question that um it um is uh, we're in a good position to try to understand better and uh, hopefully hopefully we'll, we'll we'll know more some well we, everybody will be a lot smarter six months from now and in a year from now we'll be even smarter because there'll be so much more known it's amazing how much we're just coming to understand on a pretty rapid basis here as, as you've watched this unfold from, you know, uh, let's say when the first case uh, landed in, in Canada, when the first case was reported in, in Alberta back on, on March 5th, what has been most interesting to you to see how this has has gone through the community, how this has unfolded with the infections, the numbers? What, what's jumped out at you? Oh, gosh. That's, thanks for that question. A lot of things, really. But I think at the beginning of it, you know, like there's been this unprecedented response globally to this, mm-hmm. and it's been and it's been very difficult for people to sort of take part in. But at the beginning, it's it, there was an urgency to it, and I think especially when people started to see how awful it was playing out, as we understood better about how awfully it was playing out in some areas of China, and then especially, um, you know, in our in our part of the world where we had much more information that came to us about how it was playing out in Italy, um, you know, people got a pretty urgent and pretty sudden kind of awareness wow this could be really bad and there was so i think at the beginning there was a lot of fear um about just how bad this could be and how bad it could be quite quickly uh instantaneously and then that led to this amazing response to basically shut ourselves in and um <laughs> the, the thing about that that is and, it, and there's going to be a lot of work to try to understand that we did so much to, and we all know this because we've all experienced and we're still living it. We did so much to try to reduce our contact with others and uh, and eliminate the possibility of spread that, you know, we reduced our usual activities and our usual contact with others by over 80%. Amazing. Mm-hmm. And now the thing is, okay, well, what really worked? And how much of that was really necessary? Was it all necessary? 
was it some of it necessary? You know, there's going to be a lot of armchair quarterbacks who are going to say, well, we overreacted uh, on the one hand. On the other hand, you know, there's good evidence that some places didn't react enough. You know, the story in Sweden where it's just come out that, you know, they took a slightly, not dramatically, but a slightly more liberal approach to things. And they've had a lot more problems in Sweden with a much higher death rate in older adults than, uh, than they anticipated. And they just sort of, you know, came out and uh, addressed that last week. And so, how much was enough, don't know, but going forward, how do we undo all this? So that part, you know, from the part that's interesting, when there's human tragedy involved and there's uh, such a disruption mm-hmm. society, I hate to sort of phrase it in that context of being yeah. interesting, but it has been amazing to see it unfold. And uh, I, my, my biggest hope now is that we're going to learn from this, do better throughout the rest of the, do well through the rest of the pandemic. <laughs> We've done amazingly well in Alberta, but do well and, you know, strike a, strike the right balance in terms of how we open up and and, and and support society getting back going, but keep it keep it safe. You know, that's that's the balance to come. But um, I think at the beginning it was the, it was the, 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 the fear of, of what was going to happen and what kind of pace it could happen at because it all was very, very fast in, in the first few weeks there. And Dr. Kellner, we know that uh, this province has been leading uh, when it comes to testing. And I know the goal, I think at one point, was to do at least 7,000 tests a day. I think yesterday they got up to about 6,500 in the last 24 hours. Yeah. Uh, that that testing, uh, that high level of testing and being able to get those results is really instrumental in this work that you're going to be doing. Um, I, I mean, that, that just has to be... I mean, it's it's so good on so many levels that the testing is that high, but it also is is going to be able to open the doors to find out, hopefully, find out some answers to these questions that we have about this virus. Yes, for sure, and uh, you can't, you know, and uh, of course, there's been different approaches in different places, even across Canada, there've been very different approaches, but. The approach of testing, it definitely it's resource intensive yep. um, to do this, both uh, from a lab testing uh, uh, approach, but also the number of people you need to assist with uh, doing it. But we're so much better off for having done that, and we're going to understand things so much better. And just to you know, come back to the number of children, you know, almost a thousand children in uh, uh, in Alberta have been um, diagnosed with COVID-19, and and that is um, uh, that's almost a, a third of the children in all of Canada who have been uh, diagnosed, and we're only 10% of the population here in Alberta because we've looked hard for it. And I don't think the COVID-19 pandemic is any different in Alberta than anywhere else. But if you look hard harder for it, you're going to find it more. And the harder you look for it and find it, the more you can learn from it. And so I just, we're, I think we're very fortunate for all the kind of um, kerfuffle about things about the health system and the background and everything. Our, our health system and our health leaders have come together amazingly well to, uh, and worked with um, government amazingly well to, uh, to, to address this as strong as possible. And I hope that keeps going. There's been a lot of talk about antibodies and antibody testing. How deep yes. of a dive will this study go into that? And um, again, I mean, people want to know about immunity, about herd immunity, about how long immunity could last. Um, is the study going um, into that pretty deep yeah. at all? Very, very much. There's two ways that we're doing that. One is to test, look at the, the science of immunity and on a small number of children, really to 
um, do very extensive testing of their immune system and see how they respond to not just antibodies but other kinds of responses and all that, which will be of scientific interest and eventually of clinical interest, but a bit further down the road. But we are planning and hoping we're not, the, the details aren't fully confirmed yet, but we're, we're, we're hoping with support from Alberta Health that we're going to be able to um, enroll about a thousand children each in Edmonton with our colleagues in Edmonton and Calgary. Um, and uh, in Edmonton, it'll be mostly children who haven't had COVID-19, um, but are children who are part of a of an ongoing um, research study called the Child Study um, that uh, is looking at healthy children and following them over the, a large number of years. And then in addition, in Calgary, we're going to look at several hundred children who were infected with COVID, another several hundred who were tested but were tested negative, and then some children who weren't tested, and follow these kids for two years and do repeated testing every six months um, to see um, if they have an antibody response. The kids who have had COVID should have an antibody response, but does it persist mm-hmm. for six months, 12 months, two years, we'll find that out. So we're going to do a very deep dive into that. And we have a really unique opportunity because we have so many kids, even though most of those kids had mild disease, um, and so maybe they're not going to have the same kind of antibody response as a child who had more severe disease, but we simply don't know that. So that's a very unique opportunity to do a deep dive that will give us information that will come out in pieces over the next couple of years to, to understand about the immune response. It's such a critical part of it. We're yeah. waiting for a vaccine, and um, lots of smart people around the world are working to develop vaccines, but uh, that's that's a challenge. And in the meantime, we want to see how, how the population is doing in terms of developing immunity. So many, so many questions to be answered still uh, with this virus as we learn more about it, as we see it uh, change and, and do its thing. I did want to ask you about this um, multi-system inflammatory syndrome. I know uh, Dr. Yeah. Hinshaw up here confirmed a case uh, recently. How, how much should we be worrying about that with, with kids who have, had, um, who have been diagnosed with COVID? What, what, what do you think about that? So uh, this thing, MIS-C, it might have multiple, but multi-system inflammatory syndrome associated with COVID. Um, so the, the first thing to say is uncommon. There have been clusters of it. Um, it's, it's, it's actually rare, uh, you know, really quite rare, but there have been clusters of it. It's been reported in Europe and in New York City especially. And, uh, um, and we have seen cases in Canada. We've seen cases in Alberta. Um, and um, it's not something new, though. For this, um, there's different names for the syndromes. There's this thing, Kawasaki syndrome, which mm. has been in the news as well. It's one of the manifestations, and then there's some uh, other manifestations as well uh, that can occur. And these are things that are known to be associated with a variety of infections and known to be triggered by a variety of infections, especially viruses, but also some bacteria. And so we see these things all the time anyway. Each individual episode is uncommon, but we do see them. What's new now is it seems that it it seems likely that, and when I say likely, because we haven't proven it that it's COVID in most cases, but it seems likely that COVID is associated with, the COVID-19 virus is associated with triggering this. And it's not actually the infection itself. It triggers um, like an immune response in the body that leads to these um, unusual features coming up some um, days or usually weeks after after you might have been infected with COVID-19. And that's how it is with other things as well. So I think it's an important thing to know about and you know, for parents and um, those who take care of children, 
the key thing about it is that if the child is going to be afflicted by this, they're going to, and they're sick enough to um, have to be, you know, sort of uh, seriously evaluated, they will have the kind of symptoms that you would be worried, uh, any parent would be worried about anyway, you know, persistent fever, really not, you know, it's quite common, of course, for kids to get short fever and mild symptoms as a regular kind of cold or flu. But this is different because the fever lasts longer, they're sicker with it, they may develop some unusual kind of things like a whole body rash and uh, um, and um, maybe some intestinal symptoms, things that would worry you normally. And so if you're worried about your child in one of these uh, kind of syndromes related to Miss C, it's, it's more thinking, is my child sick in a way that's different than a usual minor illness? Yeah, yeah. They are. That's when you need to seek advice. How can people, before I let you go, how can people yep. get involved with this study or how are you reaching out to people to get involved with this study? Well, so um, we will be reaching out um, uh, to uh, contact um, with the support of Alberta Health Services, okay. all the people who have been um, tested um, for uh, COVID-19. We're looking for healthy volunteers as well. Um, in Edmonton, the group that is doing the work there, led by Dr. Mandane at the Stallway Hospital, um, they have this group of kids that they're um, already studying anyway, but they'll be reaching out to some beyond that. We're going to have a website. We hope we hope that when it's officially announced, this part of it, um, that um, there'll be um, yeah, that there, there'll be some more interest uh, um, to uh, um, public interest to learn about it and may have the chance to talk about it again. And there will be, we're just finishing off the details of our website now to be a place that people can go to and volunteer to participate. Um, and so we're, we're really going to reach out, yeah, because we, we need to try to um, uh, encourage and, uh, um, and ask quite a large number of families to participate and potentially sign up for a couple of years of getting uh, a, a, a few pokes done that to uh, uh, understand this better. So it's not for everybody. I get that. But, but we, we've yeah. done a lot of similar but different kind of things over the years. And there are quite a lot of families who are, we're hoping are going to be willing to do this. Important stuff, Dr. Kellner. Thank you for joining me this afternoon. I, I look forward to finding out and reading about the results of this study in the, in the years to come. Thanks for this. Okay. Thank you very much, Shirley. Take care. Yeah. Take care. That's Dr. Jim Kellner from uh, the University of Calgary, who is also a pediatric infectious disease physician.